0: Hey, Lighthouse Niagara family, this is Pastor Joel Sloss. I hope that the message you received today blesses you so, so much. My mom was saying that, uh, she was just saying a little bit, I don't, I don't even, I know my dad's cousin. I think I met his wife. I did not meet his, his kids. They're from Germany. Long story short, uh, the parents had gone to visit their daughter. And I, I don't know how long ago this happened. Was this in the last year or two, or that they went to visit their daughter? And not sure. Okay, so in the last few years, had gone to visit their daughter. And uh, after the visit, as they left, they left. And then they found out, and I don't know if it was immediately after they left or whatever. But uh, she was, the building that she was in, uh, she was going up in the elevator. And uh, and she died in the elevator in her 40s just Dead, she was a believer, and uh, I don't know if there was some health issues or not. However, she was gone, and I thought the thought hit me. It was almost kind of it was almost humorous that you know here I am you know going up in the elevator. I die in the elevator possibly as it's going up to my floor. The next thing it's like I've just continued to to head in an upward direction and. I, I, I slumped to the floor, and I, I'm alive then in the presence of God Almighty. What a, what a way, what a way to go. To one moment be alive, and the next moment gone. Can I just say this? The Lord is coming soon, and it'll be in a twinkling of an eye, as fast as you can blink your eye or snap your finger. One moment we're here, the next moment we are as the trumpet sounds, it says the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we who remain will be caught up to be with the Lord in the air. Those that are still alive when the trumpet sounds, the dead in Christ rise first, and then we, we are caught up right after that. Within, like we're just talking in, in split moments. There is something that be- beautiful that is coming, But in the meantime, the Lord desires to do a work. The Lord desires to do a work. The Lord desires to use you. The Lord desires to work on you, and He desires to work through you before His return. And it doesn't matter what age you're at. My my dad is going to be 86 this this year, and is here pretty well every single morning that we have our morning time of prayer. Uh, for Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, he comes and he's here to pray and join in with prayer. Going to be 80, 85 years of age. You're not too old to do something for the Lord. You're not too old. So how? How? And I, I just want to go over quickly because there are things that we need to deal with if you want the to be used by God. Now, I have, I have some water there. And I have a little bit of water left in this container. I have two containers here. So this one here. And I have this one here and uh, even if I took some of that water and put it in here, uh, I don't think there's much of a question of, of which one you would drink out of. I, I don't even know whose bottle that is, and I don't know why it was up there, but it was. You would say, hey, it's very clear. This is the, the glass, the container, the vessel that you would want to drink out of. If you want God to use you, it's the vessel, the vessel that you are will will indicate how much you're used by the Lord. And it, it has to be, it has to do with the cleanliness, if you would. Now, I can have, I can have different vessels. The main issue, and I I, I have, I have one daughter, I've mentioned this before, that before she, takes something to drink, well, just look and make sure that everything is clean. Uh, That it's, even if it's been out in the dishwasher now, hey, is it clean enough? I I want it to be clean. I just want you to keep that in the the back of your head as we proceed with this. If I could could have you just turn with me to Ephesians chapter 5 from verse 25. And I want to go over three Issues and I'm gonna, or three not issues, but three things from this passage before the Lord comes back, and with it, I also want to tie in with Second Timothy chapter 2, uh, from around verse 10 and on. Uh, So, between those two passages, I I just want to quickly give you three main things that we need to deal with as believers if we want to be used by God, because God has spoken already. He says, he's already spoken the, the word revive, revive, come to life. And uh, even if you're in a place of, of man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm alive physically, but I'm, I'm, I'm really almost comatose when it comes to our, my spiritual state. I'm, I'm comatose or I need to be woken up. The Lord is saying, revive, come to life. Lord, use me at this time. Use me. So Ephesians chapter five, twenty five says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. That he might sanctify and cleanse her, or it and in the King James Version I I I would almost say the, the, the King James Version where it says, rather than her, it is probably more accurate. And I don't want to get into all of that today. Uh, But, so I'm just going to change her to it, from the New King James to the King James Version. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. And that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that she should be holy and without blemish. So, If you want to be used by God, and I want to be used by God, and so many of you say, Yes, I want to be used by God. So here, just three things that we need to consider. Number one uh, in this first verse, husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for for her, for it, you cannot be used by God to the extent if you have not accepted what Jesus Christ did for you on the cross. If you cannot accept that or or live according to that, in fact, we need to live according to who he is and what he did for us on the cross. He loved the church. He loved you so much. Even before you were dead in trespasses and sins, he loved you. It says in Romans 5.8, it says that God demonstrated his love for us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us. There was nothing that we had done, and he died for us. There was nothing. There was no good works, nothing that, that we could do to earn salvation. We're just not good enough. And, and even while we were sinners and wanted nothing to do with God, He already died for us. And he says, oh, I love you so much. I love you so much. So the first thing, as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, it starts with faith in his sacrifice as he gave himself for us. Where is your faith right now? And so I want, to, I want to jump quickly to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 10. And we'll sort of be going, like I say, we're going to go between these two verses or these two passages. In verse 10, it says, Therefore I endure all things for the sake of the elect. This is Paul speaking to the, 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 uh, the young pastor, Timothy. That they also may obtain the salvation which, which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So he, he says, I, I go through all kinds of different things that some would obtain the salvation, to have life eternal, which is in Christ Jesus, through faith in Jesus Christ. It is only. So if you want to be used by God, the very first thing is, I need to have faith in Jesus Christ. And it goes on, Paul writes on, he says, this is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. So if we acknowledge... Because we can't go back 2,000 years. We can't go back to the point where he died, but we can go back to this place of, of faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. It's something that we acknowledge on a daily basis. Jesus, you died for me. I acknowledge it. I believe it. That's where I have life in and through you. So if, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. It says the just shall live by faith, Romans 1, the just shall live by faith. If the, that means if you are in right standing before God, it is f- by faith in Jesus Christ and what he did for you on the cross. So to begin to have life or uh, be part of that, that glorious church that he's coming back for, it needs to be where our faith is at. It says if we endure, if we continue on in that faith, we shall also reign with him. So at this time, the Lord says, and he says this to the lukewarm church in Revelation 3, verse 20 or, or 21. He was on the outside already. Verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, let him open the door. I want to come in. I want to have a relationship. I want to have fellowship. I want to dine with him. This is what he's saying to the church of the Laodiceans, the lukewarm church. The Lord was already on the outside, but listen to the promise that he gives. In the next verse, he says that if you repent, if you turn, if you turn and you open up the door, you let me in. He says, I will allow for you to, to sit on the throne with me, to reign. Let's do things together. The Lord desires to do things through you, and it, is, it starts with where your faith is at when you first came to the Lord and where it is at right now, today. Let your faith, the faith that got you saved, for me, it'll be 50 years. I was seven years of age, going on eight. Well, I'm 57 going on 58. It will be 50 years that I gave my life to the Lord. And it was a simple faith. That faith should not change. It's in Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. And it's at that point that the Lord says, I can use you now. I can begin to use you. You can reign with me. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him and what he did, when we deny him, it's also denying what he did for us on the cross, it's put aside he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. In other words, I died, and the work that was accomplished and is finished is finished. That will never, the work that I have done will never fade away. It is always there. We can be faithless, but he will remain faithful to what he has done and his tremendous love for you. So, We need to get to that place. So first part is, just check out where your faith is at even today. It's not your righteousness. It's his righteousness in your life. My faith, the just shall live by faith. As Paul says in the verse before, Romans 1, 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God unto salvation, first to the Jew and then to the, 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 the Greek for the religious and for those that are intellectual the cool the hip the knowledge the knowledgeable the intellectual of the day that those were the greeks they had it all to, they had it all figured out and the lord says salvation is available to the religious the jews were religious depending on the law i want to give you life as you have faith in the good news of jesus christ and the just shall live by that faith all right second part of three parts, and I want to take a little bit more time in this. Let me read again. In verse 26, Ephesians 5:26 says that he might sanctify and cleanse her or it with the washing of water by the word. So there's a few things here that may say, I'm not sure. He's looking for a glorious church. Just recognize he's looking for a glorious church when he comes back, not a defeated church, not a, 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 a dirty church, He's looking for a glorious church. And I'm not talking about a building. I'm talking about the body of Christ. I'm talking about us who are members in that body. He is not looking for a dirty church that's not clean, clean, cleansed. And who knows who drank this last. Maybe it was me. I'm not sure. But if I just poured a little bit of water from that glass into here, said, hey, you want to drink? Say, ah. I'll pass. I don't know whose lips were on there. I don't know what germs are on there. The Lord is looking for a church without spot or wrinkle. And the Lord desires, even before he comes back, he desires for us to be in a place of use. Plans that are specific for you, even now where you are at. So there's this thing of he wants to sanctify and cleanse us with the washing of the water by the word. Okay, so sanctify sanctified quickly means to be made holy. So there's there's this thing of of yeah, I have no problems drinking water from here. It is it's a thing of holiness, if you would. Of clean it's it's clean, it's acceptable before the Lord. So there's this aspect of of cleansing and 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 um uh, of, of being made pure. And when something is a glass, a container is pure, and it's, it's, it's ready for use, it's easy. I'm, I'm taking that one out of the shelf. You don't go into the, the dishwasher that hasn't started yet and pull out a dirty glass. You go into the cupboard and you pull out a clean glass. Now, we need to be clean before the Lord. Now, sanctification... And the two parts are sanct to sanctify and to cleanse. And and just I want I want to just go over a little bit about this. We know from First John one, verse seven, it talks about the thing that cleanses us. Does anybody know what cleanses us from sin? The blood. The blood cleanses. And how do we apply the blood? How do we have the blood applied to us? What do we have to do? How do we have, okay, say you're a believer, but how do we have the blood cleanse us? What do we have to do? Maybe repent. What's part of repentance? Or we do, yeah, we have to repent. What's part of repentance? Pardon? Confess. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That is why it's so important. The enemy would not want you to confess any sin. In fact, he would rather have you be, even you rec- recognize that, oh my goodness, I've sinned. And there's such oftentimes such a guilt and a shame and a condemnation that comes, even as we have sinned. And Satan wants us to remain in the shame and the guilt and the condemnation. And all the Lord is saying, for goodness sake, humble yourself, come to me and confess. Lord, I confess my sin. Lord, I'm sorry, not to just, hey, I'm not talking about going to confessional. You confess your sin with every intention of going right back to it and redoing uh, doing it again. That's not what this is about. It is about a repentance which says, I don't want to continue to do that thing. and I'm not going to continue. And the Lord is there to say, I'm going to cleanse you and I want to help you to get through this. So we know that the the, the blood is what cleanses us. This thing of sanctification is a work that only Jesus Christ can do. In 1 Corinthians 1.30 it says, But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God. He's the wisdom of God. He's the power of God. And we preach, Jesus Christ and Him cruci- crucified, the wisdom of God and the power of God. The verses before that talk about that. And it's ending up, now this is the last verse uh, or so of first, that very first chapter of First Corinthians. Powerful. So He became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. He who boasts, we don't boast in our own righteousness, we boast in His righteousness. He is our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So the sanctification part of it has to do with us being clean and ready for use, to be used by God, and it's a work that only he can do. So you might say, just like how do I have the blood applied to me, I confess, so how do I have sanctification begin on me? Because when I look at myself, I recognize, my goodness, I haven't arrived yet. And Paul even says, I haven't apprehended yet. I haven't, I haven't made it all, all the way. In Philippians 1, he says that we can be confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in us will continue it right until the day of the Lord, which means... A work has begun and is continuing, and it will continue right to the day of the Lord. So we haven't arrived yet. And so how do I have and allow the work of God to, ha- to happen in my life? How do I allow for sanctification to happen so that the Lord says, here, I can use you now? Because there's sometimes delay for you to be used by God. And I don't want to, d- to delay God using me and just saying, hey, I can't, you're not even in the cupboard. You're not in the cupboard For me to open up and take there's there's stuff you're you've been used or there's things that are in your life that need to be cleared out. If you want the help of the Lord for sanctification, and this is important, listen. If you want sanctification to begin, because the Lord is saying, "Man, can I do a work?" and it it begins initially, the moment you give your life to the Lord. And how many of you have recognized, man? When I first came to the Lord, I gave my life to the Lord. There were changes that took place immediately. You say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for those changes to take place. But as you continue on, you recognize there's things that still need to change. Now, if you want to have changes taking place in your life in areas you cannot change, and you're trying as hard as you can, you say, and God is saying, but that's not how you're going to change, by you trying harder. Sanctification cannot continue on because the aspect of of the continue the, the beginning and and the continuation of sanctification, preparing to make holy, to set apart for use, has to do with it being a, a, a an effect or a continuation because of our consecration. You say, "Oh, oh, great." You went from sanctification to consecration. Here's another word I don't understand. I don't understand this. Well, let me give you some clarification. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren. He's saying, this beseech you, therefore, brethren. is like, I, I beg of you. It's like somebody coming to you, grabbing you, and saying, please. I, you got to listen to me. What I'm going to tell you is going to bring you life. And that's what beseeching means. <coughs> and it's not just brethren, it's also sistren. Brethren and cistern, I beseech you therefore, brethren and sistren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God is saying, man, do I want to work out my will in your life? I want to do. I've got plans for you. I had somebody come to me this past week and say, hey, I'm in. Let me in. I want to get involved. I say, yes. And what it is, if there's a thing of sacrifice, you get to a place where you're just saying, Hey, I'm a living sacrifice. Lord, here I am. A living sacrifice. It's not about what I do. I'm, I'm just, I surrender to you. That's consecration. Consecration is saying, Yes, Lord, here I am. A living sacrifice. I'm alive. I'm not dead. I'm a living sacrifice. Go ahead. Have your way and do your work in my life. You have permission. I want you to change me. I want you to do what you have for me. I want it to be done. So here it is. Here I am. Go ahead. That's when sanctification can happen. This renewing of your mind that it refers to in Romans 12 too, Don't be transformed by the world or conformed. Don't be conformed by by the world. We're not gonna be, let's not be changed by the things of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That renewing of your mind begins immediately the moment that you say, Lord, I am, I I give myself, I yield my will to your will. You have permission to go ahead and do a work in me. That is the point. Of sanctification, and you—you you have to remain in that place of Lord. Yes, go ahead. You continue to have a change—the uh, the right to, to change me and do the work of change in me. I say, thank you, Lord, because the stuff that I can't do, He can. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? We're talking about Lord. I—I—I want to be used by you even before you return. And so we're talking about the things of change beginning to take place in us. I've given the example here of, of two containers. I'll tell you right now, if I had a beautiful but dirty container and I had a an old, maybe faded, maybe a chip here or there container that was clean, I'll tell you right now, you would pick, if you needed a vessel to drink out of, you would pick the clean one even if it is a little bit faded and chipped or whatever, to use. And I just want to encourage you at this time, because some of you might be a little bit faded and jaded, and you might be a little bit chipped and broken and whatever. It doesn't matter. As you surrender, see, you, I haven't arrived either. There's still a work being done on me. There's still things being formed and changed about me, and I recognize that. But as I humble myself and I yield myself and I present myself a living sacrifice, the Lord is able to take a vessel, even here, that might be used as long as I say I just surrender, go ahead, wash me. There's a washing out. I'll tell you, if 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 you saw the process of washing and, uh, from the inside and out, you would not have a problem in saying, you know what, yeah, go ahead, fill that container. Fill it up. It can be used. That's how we can be as well. We may not be there yet, and we're not. I'm not there yet. But, Lord, I surrender to be used by you. This thing of sanctification can only happen because by consecration. Consecration is me willing to give myself to have the Lord do a work on me that I can't do on myself. How good is that? You don't even have to pay for it. There's no, it's just, uh, it's a matter of your will, of your surrender, of your yielding. I yield to an awesome God. Go ahead, do the work that only you can do on me. So so in, in 2 Timothy 2, verse 20, it, it talks about, it gives this example. It says, but in a great house, there are only vessels of gold, are not only vessels of gold and silver in a great house, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, from the dishonor, He will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. So the Lord wants to begin a work on us, or he has begun a work on us the moment we got saved, but he wants to continue to work through us as believers. So, Lord, let that work be done on me. I I consecrate myself to you so that sanctification can happen Praise God. Praise God. Now, there's another part that talks about cleansing. It says to sanctify and to cleanse. That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Just quickly, and this is the third thing. And it sort of ties in with the more so with the cleansing part. And this thing here in Second Timothy 2, verse 21. It says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, from dishonor. You know what? It's, it's the things that we, we sometimes choose to do or continue to do that are not right. It's, it's our ch- You know what? God will never force you to stop sinning. Let me say that again. God will never force you to stop sinning. However, He will definitely bring His word and tell us what is right or wrong, what is sin or not sin. That word comes. And in fact, it even comes, we have, even before we're saved, our conscience lets us know when something is way out of line. As believers, It's not just conscience, it's about the Holy Spirit. One of the tasks of the Holy Spirit is to bring conviction. You may say, what is conviction? Conviction is that thing, or that, that the Holy Spirit saying, this is not right. How many of you have been convicted before? We've all been convicted. We've all been in a place where we know, and it's the Holy Spirit saying, this is not right. And so we have a thing of just, well, I can, I can just go on. I just say, well, okay, I, I hear it. I don't feel good about conviction, but conviction is a good thing. Because of conviction, if we're heading in the wrong direction, conviction would say, hey, this isn't right. You're not going in the right direction. Turn around. Stop and turn around. That's conviction. That's a good thing. Listen, if I'm going to the edge of the cliff, the conviction of the Holy Spirit would say, for goodness sake, stop doing what you're, what you're doing or what you intend to do. So there's these stop signs, and it doesn't happen just at the end of the cliff. When we're at the edge of the cliff, it's even before. Stop. you got to stop. Come on. You're coming to a place that's not good. We're talking about heading in the wrong direction. For goodness sake, the Holy Spirit will never stop you from sinning, but he will definitely convict you and warn you. And and sometimes it's continuous. Now, if we push through that, if we push through the stop signs, he lets us go through and we reap the consequences of our our actions, our words, whatever, emotions. We reap the consequences even though we had the warning. Conviction is a good thing. When I choose to say, I'm not going to do this, The word of God is a powerful thing. In Luke 8, verse 4, Jesus began the the parable of the sower and the seed. A beautiful parable. And I'll tell you, just I'll read through it very quickly. Check out where are you. Where are you when it comes to where the seed is sown? What is my heart like? What condition is my heart in? A sower went out to sow a seed, and he sowed. Some fell by the wayside, and it was trampled down, and the birds of the air devoured it. Some fell on rock, and as soon as it sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. Some, and some fell upon among thorns, and the thorns sprang up, and, and with it, up with it and choked it. But others fell on good ground, sprang up, and yielded a crop a hundredfold, one seed a hundredfold from one seed. When he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There there were thousands of people there when he spoke this. Thousands. And it was only his disciples that said, Lord, what do you mean? What did you mean by this? And he said to some, he says, they'll hear. But basically, they won't hear. They're not going to understand because they really don't want to go deeper. But to you, I'm giving you the key. When you hear, he said, those that have ears to hear, let them hear. Basically, that you will grab a hold of what I'm saying because I am life. I am the word. And as you grab a hold of me and what I say, you will have life today, right now. He explains. So right after that, in verse 11, he starts to explain, well, what does this mean? So where are you at? Where are we at? Where am I at? Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Word is gone. No salvation comes. And it could be even for those that are saved, and, and, and they're at a place now of hardness, say, ah, I don't, yeah, the Word of God, whatever. And the enemy takes the Word away, and there's no impact, there's no growth that comes. But the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear, receive the Word with joy. Oh, this is good. And these have no root, who believe for a while, and in time of temptation fall away. When things get hard, things get, oh, you know what, it's just not working out, and they fall away. I'm not going to follow through. Now, the ones that fell among thorns are those who, when they hear it or have heard, go out and are choked, listen, three things, with cares, cares of this life. I think there's a lot of people that are totally, the cares of this life are just overwhelming them. And so they are impacted. There is no fruit in their life because they are so concerned about the cares of life. I got this issue. I got this problem. I got to deal with this. I got to deal with that. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if I'm coming or going. I I just want to say this. For goodness sake, don't you get choked out by the cares of life because the Lord is saying, man, do I have good stuff for you? This past week, I don't know. I, I probably went about 70 hours, if not more. And as I look back, I'm thinking, you know what? I wasn't, it wasn't like I was overwhelmed. I'm I'm not trying to brag. What I am saying is this. The power of the Holy Spirit made available to us as we just say, yes, Lord, I am surrendered. So if I need to work 14, 15, 16 hours in a day, that I can do what I need to get done in that day. I say, thank you, Lord, for the power of your Holy Spirit. Because as we surrender, it doesn't matter what kind of week you have, a short week or a long week, a a nice week, a hard week, doesn't matter. You will be moving and operating in not just your own strength, but in the power of the Holy Spirit to do the things that the Lord would have you do. And I'm not saying that you're going to have a 70 or 80-hour week, but what I am saying is this, man, are you going to be fruitful? There is going to be something... That will be a blessing to others. As psalmists say, taste and see that the Lord is good. The fruit, as others reap the fruit of who you are, of who you are. The things that you do that others will reap the fruit and they say, oh, they taste and see, oh, the Lord is so good. One of the things that are You may say, I don't want anybody to to, to taste and see. You know what? There is such a blessing when somebody can taste and see from your fruit the goodness of the Lord. The goodness of the Lord. The thorns, they choke out through the cares of life. Riches. So this pursuit of riches, I, I need to, I got to make money, and, and, and there's just a pursuit. Listen, you can be the poorest person, and the, and the riches are, are, are killing you. You don't have very much. You say, well, I'm going to pursue because I just need to make more money or have more. If only I had more, then I would make it. And you know what? You are being choked out. and you're just, There's no fruit allowed to grow in your life. The pleasures of life, you live for the good, The good times I'm not saying that you can't have good times and the Lord gives us times of rest and and times in fact desires for us to have times of rest and enjoyment absolutely but we're just that's we're consumed by the pleasures of life and what happens it brings no fruit to maturity but the ones that fell on the good ground are those who having heard the word with a noble and good heart they recognize oh this is good And they they receive it. It says, keep it and bear fruit with patience. In other words, there's a work that the seed begins to grow and there's fruit that begins to grow in your life. It may not happen immediately, but you're in a place to say yes. Can I just say this? Grab a hold of the word and do the word. You will, there will be changes to your life. Even if you're having a longer week, there will be changes to your life. Oh Lord, use me. And he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word. So, there are some things that he would have us change. And I'm, I'm just going to go quickly over a few things because that, that passage that talks about those vessels. There's things that need to change in our lives. I want you to know We need to deal with the, the issues of sin. Listen, let me read, go back to 2 Timothy 2, verse Now I'm going to be closing up shortly. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honor and some for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. That's where I want to be. Now, right next verse, because we could stop there and we can preach on that and whatever. The very next verse says, flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those, who call, uh, with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. So pursue righteousness, doing what is right, and the righteousness of the Lord upon you. Faith, love, peace. These are good things. Next verse, 23. But avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife. Our, our conversations, our interactions, avoid foolish and ignorant disputes. Well, you know what? I, yeah, I need to talk about the things of the Lord, not that there's strife created. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient. I lost, I lost some patience. I, I, I had to make corrections this past week humble myself now there's times where you gotta stand you gotta stand there's other times you say no I gotta be gentle able to teach patient in humility correcting those who are in opposition so I have to that's an area I need to work on and usually it's with people you love the most that you're sometimes you're not doing things in gentleness I got to change with those that are in opposition at times that I can I can deal with it in grace and humility in humility correcting those who are in opposition if God perhaps will grant them repentance so that they may know the truth and humility I need that and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. Sometimes we, we're too harsh. As if we would deal with people in gentleness regarding sometimes their sin, not to say compromise, I don't, not to compromise, but in gentleness, say, hey, listen, you know what? You're heading, you're heading in the wrong direction. Hey, hey. Really, you're heading in the wrong direction in gentleness. You, got, you, you can't keep going on. This is, this is hurting you. This is affecting you. This is not good. You need to change your way, your direction. If per, God perhaps will grant them repentance to turn so that they may know the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil... Having been taken captive by him to do as well. Lord, let me, I need to do that kind of work. In patience, not afraid, not in judgment or condemnation, but to turn a person around. If I could have the worship team come, the Lord has spoken a, a beautiful word, and I see it happening. I see a reviving taking place in you. I see people saying, yes, I need to, I want to be used by God. I see people that are saying, I got to change my ways. I got to turn. I got to repent. I just say, thank you, Lord, for what is happening here. And I thank God because it is you, as you are being changed, you will be able to change others as well, that others would be able to taste and see that the Lord is good. We cannot be in apathy. We cannot be without caring. We cannot be sidetracked. We cannot be too busy. That we would come alive, as he has said, revive, and that we would be fruitful. Lord, let me be fruitful for you in these last days. And we are not alone in the changes that are taking place. By the power of the Holy Spirit, there's a work of sanctification. There's a work that is done on us. But listen to this passage about the Holy Spirit. John 7, verse 37. It says on the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, "If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink." If you're thirsty, you want. Oh man, I need to. I need a, I need to have a drink. Lord, that is refreshing. It is refreshing. That is so refreshing. If we thirst, Lord, I want the things of you. I want, I want more of you. I want, I want your spirit. I need your spirit. Jesus is saying, let him come to me and drink. I'm going to give you the refreshing that you need. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Living water, not just to be receiving, but that there would be a flowing out from us. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. This was before he went to the cross. And after the cross, as he came back to life, and at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, there was even a, a, a greater thing of the Holy Spirit flowing out from us. Can we stand together? I just want to make an invitation today. And maybe it's, it's to the person that doesn't know the Lord at all. I'm just saying, man, does God have something in store for you that is specific to you? Ephesians 2 verse 10, it says, We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that we would walk in them. You were made specifically by God. And he's saying, I have something for you, and you've come alive in Jesus Christ. And he's saying, I want the work that I have for you to do, that it would be completed, that it would be done. I'm saying, yes, Lord, I want to have that work done. And the Holy Spirit wants to be with us and help us even to accomplish that work in a beautiful way. Praise God. So to the person that doesn't know the Lord, three things that you, can, you need to do. Humble yourself, confess, yes, I'm a sinner. Secondly, that you would recognize and acknowledge Jesus Christ and what he did for you 2,000 years ago on the cross because that's where your sin and my sin was, was taken or was placed on him 2,000 years ago. There is nothing else, no one else that can take care of your sin. We're talking sins from the past, today, that might happen down the road. The only one that can deal with your sin is Jesus Christ and and what he did for you on the cross, his shed blood for you, the blood that washes away every sin. And the third thing is that you would receive him into your life. As he's knocking and saying, hey, I want to come in, let me in, that we would allow him to come in. Lord, I just pray right now, if there is anyone out there that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that, that as they would confess their sin and acknowledge what you did, you are the only one that can save them. You died for them, you were buried, and you rose again. That they would say, yes, I believe that. He did that for me. Lord, that they would believe. And they would allow you to come into their to, into their life, Lord. I pray that it will take place even as they, as they confess their sin and as they believe and they confess who you are and what you did for them. And they allow you in they will have salvation in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And, Lord, we do want to be used by you. We just thank you. You gave us life as we placed our faith in you, and so we are alive spiritually. And, Lord, you want to to do a beautiful work through us, so we say yes to sanctification. We say we just give ourselves over to you a living sacrifice we consecrate ourselves to you we say yes you have permission to begin a work because we need that work done we need the work done in us now because we want a work to be done through us to be used by you so lord we we surrender ourselves to you we consecrate ourselves to you go ahead sanctify us set us apart do the work so that we can be used, we can be put in the cupboard so that, Lord, when it's time, and, Lord, it'll be very soon that there's this opening of the cupboard where you say, I want to work through you at this time. Lord, by your blood we are cleansed and we are made ready to be used by you. And let there be a powerful work done for your glory, that we would be vessels of honor in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I pray for a infilling of your spirit on everyone and that there would be a beautiful continued work on each and every one of us, Lord, and through us for your glory. Between now and the time that the trumpet sounds, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I don't know if we have a song. Can we just close with a song? And, and um, when the song is done, I just want to pronounce a benediction over you and, and just say, hey, enjoy this day. How many of you are glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Hey, hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's so good to have you here. Let's praise and worship the Lord. Hey, Lighthouse family. Thanks so much for tuning in to another one of our podcast sermons. I'm Pastor Joel Sloss. For more podcasts, media, and live stream services at lighthostniagara.com, Sundays at 10 o'clock. God bless.